You are going to be listening to the sultry sounds of Jeff Bridges and Bernie uh, Sanders. (laughs) 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 Totally not what I meant to say, but uh, there you go. Mind you, he's still alive. That's true. Bernie, um, oh my God. Thank you. Holy crap. See, we're we're a little off to this uh, this week because Dave has called me today to say, "Hey, uh, that other podcast we're postponing till tomorrow. Do you want to record today?" And I'm like, "Yeah, cool." And then I realized I wasn't entirely ready because I uh, I haven't read this chapter. <laughs> so we just Re- did that re-read. just now. Reread. Uh, reread. Yes. You have read this book ages ago. You, you did say that. Yeah. So. Um, the chapter is very short. It's very straightforward. Uh, and uh, what is it called, Dave? It is called Dude. You're being very undude. Nice. And I think that's a awesome title. I do. I do as well. So um, the uh, previous episode, uh, we talked about uh, the chapter titled um, It's Down There. Uh, somewhere let me take another look and that was actually we talked a lot about row 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 your boat and uh and stuff like that basically about uh what live life in dreams and making sure you're you know not fighting essentially not fighting the current um it has been a while we haven't recorded for two months almost so uh, what no yeah, our last recording was on the 9th of December, sir. Seriously? Of December. Oh. Yeah, we were Whoa. we were going to record last month, but um you your schedule over the holidays gets crazy. Like it gets yes. it gets actually more than crazy. It goes completely insane. And uh and it usually takes until the end of January for you to surface because uh you know, people order mm. stuff late. And yes. uh, things like that. Yes. So yes. totally understandable. And uh, I am not going to kill you for it. Right excellent. Yet. But that's okay. I'm We're getting still... back in the saddle. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. I'm still kind of into this whole life thing, this living, you know? So living. I don't understand. I'm glad you're not going to kill me. The life thing? Oh, well, oh, well yeah, yeah, but just. <laughs> You'll test me. Don't test me, Dave. I will have you killed, you know. Uh, kiss the ring or you die. You come into my house on the day of my daughter's wedding and you ask for a favor? Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> it's really funny, actually. Last, uh, last uh, was it just this past Friday? It must have been. Um, I uh, had a migraine on Friday. I was... Uh, sitting around took took some painkillers and was sitting around going oh my god life is terrible i'm gonna die um and then <clears throat> i decided to go out and have a beer so i did so i went down to um to uh this place called um uh the the distillery and i met up with a, with a couple of friends there and uh they said hey that's so cool you're around i'm like yeah awesome yeah let's drink beer so we did 
and I did mention I said I, I've had a migraine today. I just I, I've I've got some drugs, so I'll probably uh, only just have one. And uh, we had some fat tug, which I was very pleased about. But uh, part of the uh, conversation we were having was about uh, the the Zen of the world, and unfortunately, the individuals I was hanging out with not terribly Zen. They're kind of anti <laughs> anti Zen, um, which raises all kinds of really great. Uh, you know, discussions and stuff like that, which I like. So, mm. so we talked a bit about that kind of stuff. And uh, then so give, give me one example. I'm totally curious now if this, if this um, individual was anti-Zen, as you put it. Well, the essential argument over the years, not just this past Friday, but over the years, uh, the, uh, the attitude towards people who are more interested in just letting life happen uh, are considered um, pussies. And if you're not, you know, grabbing on to the, grabbing life by its horns and then fuck it in the ass, uh, that's not a, that's, that's, that's how you should be doing things. And, uh, there have been conversations where that is really the message I get is, is you are, uh, you know, you are either eaten by the dragon or you're sticking a sword in its gullet and killing it um there's really no room for anything else and uh i think that that there's definitely uh room for uh those that kind of thinking but well there's room for it sure i don't i don't know if it produces any uh Res- not results. It does produce results. If you're trying to basically own the universe um, all you mean the time. crush the day? Yeah, crush the day. Yeah, that kind of Crushing sort of rah, 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 rah kind that. of stuff, which is interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, of course, there's also the uh, uh, the other sort of flip side of that where, like we were talking uh, I think we talked a bit. Was it the last episode, or maybe a couple of a couple of episodes ago, which was the um, conversation about how uh, you uh, how um, uh, uh, oh my god, uh, Rick and Morty, uh, the philosophy mm-hmm. sort of that pops up in there all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, have you have you watched further since our last conversation? I have too. Okay. I'm now, uh, I believe it's episode six in season three. Okay. Good, good. So yeah, that sort of conversation about, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the, the ultimately no matter what you do, um, it, it doesn't matter. We're going to croak. And I, and I was, I was watching or listening to, uh, one of our episodes, uh, a couple, uh, days ago. And I listened to the whole thing uh, because I was fascinated by what we were talking about because I had no memory of what the hell we had talked about. And I'm like, wow, wow, we sound yeah. actually, a, we not, yeah, we're kind of smart. <laughs> I was going to say, you poor man, you yeah, poor, exactly. poor man. <laughs> so, but it was one of the things that we were talking about, which was the idea about, um, uh, you know, that if, if I'm more of a universe is there to really not give a crap about anything it just exists doing its thing by whatever rules have been established by 
whatever process created the universe. And uh, the only way to make sense of it is to uh, essentially uh, go with it and take it for a ride like uh, uh, Rick sort of recommends, like take it by the horns and, cut it and you know, go as far as you can until it, it eventually kicks you off, which it will. Um, and the whole idea that uh, it, it breeds, or sorry, it lives on mediocrity where uh, the bulk of what happens in the universe um, is really just sort of mundane. Things are born, things are created, they eventually break down or they eventually die. And then the body of that person or the construct or the, the body of the construct eventually gets swallowed by some sun somewhere and is recycled and then is used again. A star compresses down or grows big. Uh, but eventually it blows up and blows all that it was made of out into the universe and other stars eventually grab it and then reuse it again. And then, you know, over a very, very long period of time, uh, you know, uh, an idiot like me gets born on a rock out in the middle of nowhere and goes, hmm, what's, uh, what's this all about? And the universe goes, fuck you. <laughs> so you know and but you however a, a far more uh you have a less pessimistic kind of attitude towards it um yes. where you think that uh there must be a reason for a lot of these things uh even though we don't see it uh it's still there and should be there and must be there and i'm like shut up dave this is my podcast who the hell are you to come in here and tell me how to do things <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean it was it was interesting because it, it is such a it, because we don't have the answer. It makes for very uh, makes for a real fun time to talk about because I think it reminds me that uh, I have a tendency to become uh, less groovy than I could be. And uh, I mean, it's who I am, whatever. I can't really change it, but I can, I can change, I can, I can modify it somewhat, you know, to try and uh, become uh, more groovy uh, than, than I was yesterday. So, hmm. so yeah, it was, it was fun to listen to because we hadn't talked for, uh, you know, a good four or five, six weeks. And uh, at least we we've, we've spoken, we've talked, but we haven't had these conversations. Yes. yes. So, uh, but there you go. So, and I, <clears throat> I just wanted to float this uh, idea that um, we as people are more malleable than we imagine. Um, we hang on to what we are, what we think we are, because we think it's safe. And in a way it is, 
um, because it's consistent and you are used to it and you know it. But um, sometimes that doesn't serve us so well. You know, if we experience certain aspects of our personality that we're not super thrilled about. And that's not to say that I'm all about, you know, getting rid of aspects of personality. But um, we can change how we interact with our personality and realize that we have more flexibility in our beliefs and more flexibility in our personality structure than we think we do. Yeah. I mean, this, this ties really nicely into this chapter because essentially uh, the crux of the dude being very undued um, happens in the film where uh, the dude is frustrated. He's upset about something and the brash character uh whose name escapes me um not donnie who is uh who... talking about goodman's character goodman yeah what the hell is the character's name sorry i don't remember uh hang on i'm gonna look this i'm gonna look this up live on the internet. i need i need to watch this movie again um because it's been a long time since I've um seen i watched it not too long ago uh maybe you know like i'm talking like a couple of years ago um <laughs> Oh, for Walter, me, Walter, been... John Goodman's character is called Walter. Uh, anyway, um, but, but yeah, he's the, he's the character that turns to the dude and says, dude, you're being very undude. And then you have this uh, conversation we're having where uh, this chapter is about, um, to me anyway, it's about recognizing that you have, you're never finished. You're never done. You, uh, you know, there's no goal. That I mean, the goal that we're reaching at the end of our days is death. I mean, we're rushing to get there and we're not doing a fuck of all, a fuck of a lot of stuff in between. And, uh, you know, that, and that's what the Rick character thinks of as mediocrity. People that, that are, are born, uh, they go to school, maybe they get a job and that's really the extent of their life. Um, you know, they might read the New York Times bestseller of the month or something, and that kind of is it. They do that repeat. Um, I've heard it called the rut. I've heard it called the, the trap, the, the rat race. Um, but essentially, it's the same thing. A lot of people don't necessarily grow. They don't they they fall into a comfort zone that they like and they enjoy. And there's, that's totally fine. But uh that's where we have that fear, I think, at least I do, of, um, you know, when I'm 175 years old on my deathbed and there's like I'm being massaged <laughs> by, you know, hot young girls, um, that I don't want to have that regret that, oh, my God, you know, 60 years ago, I didn't uh, do that thing. And I just remembered it now. And why? Why did I not do that thing? Um, but again, um I don't think we're ever we're never finished anyway. I think we always end unfinished because of what kind of creatures we are. We tend to read, we tend to grow. So, um, but to bring it back to that, people don't have these conversations on a regular basis because a lot a lot of people think of them as kind of useless. That if you have this knowledge, um, what's the point? 
what are you actually think... doing to, to you know, essentially knowing something and earning something are very different if you've if you've done something uh and that or sorry if you've learned something and then you've gone out and done something about it um the it is a big deal uh like a few episodes ago i was talking about that um the 12 days of podcast or the 12 podcasting days of christmas where uh i was using that as an excuse to actually move something forward in myself to actually do something creative that was um not something i would have normally done and so i did mm -hmm. that i've done a few things since then um but a lot of what i've i've been doing is is right now for the beginning of this year has really been kind of uh writing down like just doing brain dumps of things that i want to do and uh so i'm hoping over the next little while cool. probably end of march mid-march i'm going to finally start getting some of these things out the door uh mainly because oh yeah that's the other thing is that i'm going away for three three and a half weeks um going to visit some friends in new york going to uh the east coast for the first time ever I've never been to Toronto. I've been at the airport, which is mm -hmm. near Toronto, but that's kind of it. So I'm going there and I'm also going to be talking to, I'm um, doing two sessions at this podcasting uh, event there <clears throat> and uh, talking about two things, how to use Blogger as a um, podcasting platform and then also how to use uh, uh essentially you know quite honestly a lot of the stuff that we talk about is going to find its way into this one um but it's called there's only so many friday nights left and it's kind of this thing that i'm trying to do this year for myself to push myself to make things and to do things and to actually finish some stuff that i've wanted to do for eons so yeah Sounds i mean very cool so a lot of what we're talking about in this book and especially the last one um is very much the same sort of thing like a lot mm -hmm. of these things that uh we we stop ourselves constantly and i see myself doing this quite often and you know it's like i yeah. want to do that thing and then i don't do it because i get distracted looking at the other pretty lights of life and going oh oh that thing over there wait yeah. a second oh wait what about that i don't want to go back over this way oh wait 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 you know and there's not really a central um moment in time where you can actually go okay now here's the time that i'm going to do this thing i'm going to work on this thing i don't have to finish yeah. it but i have to push it forward just a little bit yeah. and uh, and that's what i'm trying to do with the, th the three or four things that i would like to finish by the end of the year i want to push them forward until they're complete but i'm not going to do that thing where it's like ah fuck i didn't do that thing this week god what an idiot you know that kind of stuff because you don't yeah. people just naturally go there and it's um yeah and they chastise themselves for not having done something and but the reality is at the end of the day uh as i've said a hundred times in this podcast we're gonna die we're gonna we're going to end our our, our, our we're gonna end our lives no our lives will end um and we will be unfinished. There's never anything that we finish. Um, there's mm -hmm. always going to be something that we're like, I totally want to do that thing. Ring, ring. Hello? Yes, doctor? Oh, I have... I'm going to be run over by a car this afternoon and there's nothing I can do about it? Oh, man. God, I really wish I'd had sex with Christy Brinkley. 
you know, that kind of stuff. And you just really want to uh, not have a lot of that. You know, you're going yeah. to have some of it. You just don't want to go, oh, That's this is it. I'm done. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and not not experience those things that you had the opportunity to experience, right? Exactly. Kind of going back a little bit to what you're saying about, you know, being at the end of your life. And I know there's been a number of people have talked about this idea where they talk to um, centenarians, things like that, right? And people like that. <laughs> Uh, older folks that are, you know, very definitely in the autumn of their years and the, the regrets apparently, uh, cause I've not read any of this stuff, but I've seen, you know, snippets and headlines and for the most part, it's, I'm sorry, I didn't do X. So very much what you just said. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry I didn't go and do it, didn't go and try it. Because I think a lot of times we talk ourselves out of things because we're afraid of the consequences. You know, um, Tim Ferriss is one guy that I kind of listen to um, regular. Um, and one thing that he advocates people use for this kind of issue, I guess, if you will, or just in general to help uh, help you actually, you know, do those things you want to do. He, he calls it a fear setting exercise where you look at the activity you want to do, the thing you want to make, whatever, and you look at what are the fears that you have about doing or making. And he says for him, that makes all the difference because generally what happens is you could have written down a hundred fears and you realize five of them are real. You know, the other 95 are just pure air. There's nothing there. But there are five that are legitimate issues that you want to look at. But because you've actually taken a piece of paper and put the words down on a piece of paper, you can examine these things and you can say, okay, that's legit. What are the chances that that particular fear can actually manifest? And then from there you decide okay what can i or can't i do to mitigate the risk and so you know after you do that you may decide okay the that one really solid fear that you've got maybe that is a good reason to not do the thing you're thinking of doing and yet more often than not I'm sure what the outcome is really, because I don't actually do this practice. This is just, you know, my understanding of what Ferris is describing is generally you're going to find that um, a most of what you fear is crap. There's no way. And B you can generally 
make the risks that do actually matter, you can make them acceptable risks and you can mitigate the potential for these things to actually happen to the point where you, you literally free up mental energy, you free up headspace because now you're not, um, I don't know why I always go to car analogies for this kind of stuff. And the analogy that comes to my brain is you're no longer cranking on the ear brake anymore, the e-brake, sorry. You've now let the e-brake off and you can just drive. So essentially you're saying, cause you're, you're referring to is Tim Ferriss, right? Tim Ferriss. Tim yeah. Ferriss. Yeah. Cause I, I seem Smart to remember guy. he had some, it was called, I think it's called fear setting. It's called fear setting. That's what he right, calls right, it. Okay. Cause that essentially, yeah, that basically, yeah, that's the, the, one of the biggest ways to defeat fear is by action. Like, I mean, what you just basically mm. just what you said, where, um, well, turning and examining it too. Exactly. Like being able to recognize what it is that you, that freaks you out or what is it that makes you not live the fullest life you could, you know, because, uh, you're busy being, um, you're held back by some sort of fear. Like there's a, a lot of times where, um, I always, I, one of the things I always tell people, if I run into somebody who tells, who expresses to me that there's something they really want to do, but they're, they haven't done it. And then I say, well, okay, well, what, what is it that you want? You know, we sort of dig into what it is they generally want to do. And then I start talking about, you know, well, then just do it. Like here, here's, here's five things I can think of off the top of my head during this conversation that you could do that would push you along and just a little, you know, and it's so interesting that in those kinds of conversations, people, um, they, the resistance, you can see how they are struggling to say no, like they, or sorry, struggling to say yes, because the first thing out of their mind is they're going to say no, and they don't want to do that thing. So you kind of question how badly they actually want to do something, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, and I think it's a good idea to actually write down and, and define what it is that's holding you back and what's freaking you out about situation X. And that way you can, uh, at least the hope is you could um, acknowledge it uh, and then hopefully it will dissipate or be defeated or die horribly in a fire from hell. Um, well, I think you just recognize it for what it is. It makes me think of um, dreams and dreaming and um, generally um, when we have nightmares, bad dreams, uh, we're running from something. Yeah, that's a very common one, I think, for all of us to experience. We're running from something and um, when somebody learns to lucid dream, which is you can remain conscious in your dream, just for those people that have never heard about this before. When you learn to do that stuff, one of the techniques you can use, and apparently it's actually quite common to go lucid uh, 
for people when they learn that this is a thing, that it's possible. One of the things that can happen, and it's a bit of a technique, I think, for some folks too, to gain that awareness that they're dreaming is um, when they're in a nightmare or when they are experiencing, uh, it doesn't have to be a nightmare, but just a frightening dream. And they can pop into consciousness because of that fear. And what you can do if you remember, uh, because it takes a little practice, but if you can remember, you can literally stop running and turn and face whatever is running after you. And you can talk to it. And you can say, what, what are you? What do you want? What do you represent? Questions like that. And apparently, uh, I have not done this myself, unfortunately. Uh, but apparently, what happens is that uh that that fear whatever that was becomes a non-issue it's no longer a fear because you have turned around and you faced it and i think that is just you know as dreams are that that is just symbolic of what you were describing with some of these folks that you have conversations with about oh yeah i got this thing i want to do and you you start saying like oh yeah here's you know here's five things i could do and they're still they're still reticent to to move to do anything right and it's the fear because they still haven't defined truly what it is that's keeping them from doing that thing they want to do and i think that's just sort of the the waking life version is doing the fear setting, taking that piece of paper, writing down those things that scare you about the thing you want to do. And again, maybe you do find out that the that thing you thought you wanted to do, when you actually examine the fears, you might realize that you don't want to do that thing. But I think more often than not, you'll find generally you can put the fears to bed to the point where again to use that car analogy the e-brake is off now and you are just driving smoothly um and that actually connects with the chapter that we're sort of anchoring today with um about uh well, the way I look at it anyway, so I'm not sure what your take was, but for me, it was quite a bit about uh, perfectionism, you know, and being really precious about what it is you're, you're doing or what it is you're creating. And uh, how it doesn't serve us at all there's a nice example of um well, a couple examples i guess one that uh i think jeff brings it up about um japanese pottery there's a certain style where they actually 
look for some accidents to happen uh, because they really, they like that, you know, that, that unanticipated thing that makes the piece special. Um, another example that uh, Jeff, I think, gave was um, the difference between uh, this monk, I believe it was, who is a potter, and I think five out of a hundred would survive because he'd smash the other 95 because he thought they weren't good enough. And then on the other side, he used the example of Picasso, who apparently would start sketching or drawing, painting, whatever it was, I guess he was doing. And um, I guess people would see different stages of what he was sketching out or whatever. And at first it was like, okay, what is he doing? And then they would see, oh yeah, this, this is cool. You, you can, you know, that's good right there. And he just keeps going. And they're like, oh my God, what did you just do? You ruined everything. And then, oh yeah, that's, it's, it's turned cool again. I love it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh no, you ruined it again. What'd you do that for? And then apparently crumples up the piece of paper, tosses it away, and he says, okay, now I've got it sorted out. Now I've got some good ideas. So he is completely unconcerned about getting it right. He's just exploring. I love that. Exploration. Exploration. Yeah, he's just, he's enjoying the work is what it is. Work is maybe not the right word. Maybe you've got a better word, but. Um... No, I'm just, I'm just thinking that, playing it in my head, you know, about the, it's all about exploration, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, who would have known that uh uh what's the movie with um uh what are they called um oh my god what is that movie called there's it's just three of them with okay. uh Jackie Chan Jackie Chan who's who's the oh my god i got to look this up now uh Action film Jackie Chan, which is <laughs> the stupidest thing to search because everything he does. Yeah. Rush Hour. Rush, Rush Hour. The Rush yeah. Hour series. Uh, who okay. is the other? Um, who is the other actor in it? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Chris remember. Chris Tucker. I have no idea what Chris Tucker has been doing, but essentially, nobody would have known that Chris Tucker and, and Jackie Chan would have been able to make an action film together about cops on the whatever. Right. And mm. it turned out really well. I enjoyed the first one. I thought it was a decent film. It wasn't, you know, Shakespeare, um, but it was really, I think good, but somebody had to explore that idea at some level and go, you know, let's try it. And yeah. then they ended up making like, I don't know, three movies or something, but, um, uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, Rush Hour 3, 2007. And apparently, mm. Rush Hour 4 is in production. Mm. So there you go. Um, so 
I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, what is your experience with perfectionism? Do you deal with it? Or if, is it not a problem well, for you? Well, I'm perfect all the time, so not oh, there really you go. Ever. Everything I do is perfection out of the gate. Um, you know, okay. it's uh, you know, I I I wrote Star Wars. You know, that's that's how good I am. And then I I gave it to George because he was like, dude, this is so great for a four year old. Um. What do I do? Well, nice. for the longest time, I was I wouldn't do anything because I wanted it to be a certain way. Um, like I wanted something to sound a certain way. Or I wanted something to to just you know I wanted I wanted perfection. I wanted it to, uh, sure. no matter what I did, and I would say probably about I don't know two thousand ten maybe two thousand five somewhere in there. Uh, I started to do some work that. Um, I realized didn't I would people weren't expecting perfection and as time has gone on when I recognize that um I've noticed that people just don't really care um about most things um the perfectionism in the world is really you know in the eye of the beholder they want it to be a certain way and I think the most common way to um that people draw those comparisons is uh when they uh i don't know, watch tv or a movie um and they do they want to em- they want to emulate what they see um which is right. a natural response a natural thing people do but um for but entirely wrong <laughs> yeah exactly and 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 I, I think in certain situations, I'm definitely very picky about um, certain things when it comes to technology. Um, like, uh, well, actually, I'll use my current thing. The, our, our television died uh, over, I think, October? No, it was earlier than October. It might have been the summer, late summer, like August or something. Anyway, the TV died. And I thought, you know, I... I kind of like having a big TV. I'm I'm going to get a a new one. And you know, I was looking at the stores and I'm looking at them going, "Yeah, I could I could get that or that or that one and it's not that expensive and that or that." But when I buy technology, I tend to do more research than the average bear. Uh and the perfect example of that is I still don't have a TV. It's been sitting there broken for almost six months now. And at some level, it's like, well, maybe you don't need one. And I'm like, that's possible. But I, I kind of like watching stuff on a big screen when I do watch it. I, I like right now I will watch something on a laptop screen, but it doesn't work for me all the time. So, but I don't just want to go and buy a TV. Um, I actually want to buy something that's that's a long term investment and that I that I that has the features that I know are going to be around for a while. Um, like um, actually the other day, uh, my laptop that I've had for a while, um, I just happened to log in to look at. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to see if I could actually get more RAM for it. 
And I thought, because I, I know how to open it up. I've opened it up before. Um, I know where things are. And I thought, you know, maybe I could use a little RAM. You know, maybe. I don't necessarily need it, but I'll check it out. And so I did, but then I happened to, you know, I logged into the system to the manufacturer's website and I realized I bought this laptop in 2012. I bought it in March of 2012. Wow. And it still works great. It, there's, you know, I don't use it for, I use it for work. I use it for writing. I use it for pretty much everything. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, the case is broken in a few places. It's still holding together. Um, I just haven't, it, it dawned on me that this is exactly what I do. Um, in terms of perfectionism, I want a machine that lasts at least five years and performs the same the day I got it as the day that it decide you know I decide to retire it if it doesn't die on its own. But yeah, you can't say that for a lot of laptops. Um, I build the computers that I have for desktops. The computer that you and I are talking on right now. I built it um, 2016. Hmm. So it's still kind of young, but I suspect I'll still have it um, at least, you know, barring any electronic failures, um, I'll have it for another five years at least. Um, it, desktops are slightly different because you can upgrade the components and I've made sure that I can. Um, but, you know, it's not... Um, it's not a short-term thing for me. So I would, I would think that when I look at a television, I've, I've so far looked at every brand uh, that you can get pretty much. And they, the one feature that I want is I want the smart TV, as they are now, uh, to have a particular operating system. And I want the operating system to be android and that's what i want how many people do that only two manufacturers sony and um the odd lg i think it is um but it's 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 fascinating to me that no one really does that they look at the size they look at the quality of the image and that's kind of where they leave it and they buy it you know what if the price is their thing but i don't know I I just take my time. I'm not an early adopter, and I think that's a form of perfectionism, definitely. Uh, mm. Because I don't want... I don't want garbage. I don't want a disposable product. I want it to last for... I mean, in television land, I want it to last 10 years. That's my, my thing. The TV that we had wasn't the best TV. It uh, wasn't the greatest TV. wasn't the worst TV. Um, it was middle of the road. And it lasted almost exactly just over 10 years, like just 10 oh, years wow. and four months or so. Um, and That's pretty good. it was pretty good. I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where even TVs are like two, three, four years. And uh, yeah, so it's just that technology to me, it has to be perfect in the way that I think it is perfect. It needs to be a certain thing. It's not something I will, I won't buy a substandard computer at least by my perfectionist uh things and when i've 
counseled people and I consulted with people, I tell them exactly the same thing. I want this thing that you're going to dump your money into to last you for at least this long mm. because partway through you can update it partway through you can upgrade it. Um, and you know, if it's, it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, that I do and must be done. Um, but yeah, technology is, I would say my perfectionist thing. Now, does it prevent me from doing things? Yeah, I still have a dead TV in my living room that I that can't turn on. You you turn it on and it makes this awful this like noise because the one of the control <laughs> boards for the power system is gone and uh, I can I can get a new one. I know which side. It's obvious which one is broken. It doesn't look broken, but it makes a noise and you're like, okay, well it's it's this power thing here. Okay, if I take that off, um, I looked online, I need this particular board with this particular code on it. And, you know, they were like three, four hundred dollars. And I thought, there that's definitely in the zone of I'm why would I do that? I'll give this to somebody who likes to repair TVs instead of me doing it, because mm. I don't care enough. I want and besides, I want the new bells and whistles. I want four K, I want hyper texting hypertexting <laughs> <laughs> hyperlinking hyperlinking in my tv uh but yeah i, I think that's definitely a, a form of uh perfectionism because i don't jump into something lightly and i think that uh and, and something as trivial as technology i mean um the uh the i we i got a laptop a laptop a tablet recently um that has a chip in it for a chip oh, a sim card for cellular service so i can walk around with a tablet and i'm on my data plan but it's still the same one that's on my phone and i thought that was really cool it was they gave it to me for free as a bonus thing for the buying new phones and they uh so i got it home i left it for like i don't know three four weeks uh before i even opened it up and so i opened the box I turned it on <clears throat> and started using it for, I don't know, about four or five days and then realized that there was something wrong with it. Like I, you turn, uh, turn a, start an app and it would crash. Um, and I thought, okay, well I'll reset it. You know, I did all the nerdy things, you know, and, but by the time, uh, like a, but a, I guess a week went by, uh, after realizing there was something wrong with it that I thought, no, there, this is a dud. There's something, there's something wrong with the board or whatever. So I took it back. I'm like, I need you to tell me that you're going to give this to a recycler or fix it or whatever. And a lot of people don't, I've watched many people tolerate computer stuff that doesn't operate the way it should. Mm. And they blame, you know, I don't, I don't have the money to fix it. I don't have this or that. And you know, and these are things where I'm like, well, when did you buy it? Oh, a few months ago. I'm like, it's still under warranty. Get it fixed. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. Like, what's... No, it's not fine at all. So, again, another form of, of my, you know, version of, uh, of perfectionism. But, I don't know. I guess that's primarily where perfectionists crap comes and goes for me um 
So yeah. Hmm. Get naked. I would Dave. say that's pretty mm. Mm. manageable. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not one of those people who's like. You know, you know those individuals that you've seen portrayed in TV or 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 in movies about they the the wedding has to be just like this. It has to nah, be perfect. Nah. I would not be one nah. of those people. You'll be lucky if I show up, you know, and I might be clothed. Uh <laughs> but, but this is the wedding. I well it's not my wedding, it's yours, and I will get there, I'll dress up nice and uh maybe I won't. Maybe I'll show up in a T-shirt that has a little bow tie and a fake tux on the front. Um, I don't know. It's 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 kind of ridiculous from from my perspective. I think that uh, people have perfectionism in almost every aspect of their life, and I don't quite get that. Um, but then I'm sure there's other ways where I'm I'm a perfectionist that I don't realize maybe. Um, I think a lot of it is connected with uh, anxieties and fears is really what the true perfectionism is about. Yeah, I could see that. Definitely. Um, you know, there's like this, this podcast, all of the podcasts that I do um, on a regular basis are done because I want to do them because it's going to be fun. This podcast mm. is fun. Uh, we're getting into some really cool stuff that I love talking about and I don't want it to be unfun. And I've watched in the podcast realm, I've watched too many people that uh, they decide that they're going to make the podcast better and they're going to make money at it. And then they end up not because they get this idea that they have to move fast. They have to change everything immediately and they have to do things. And you sit there going, you know, dude, you're not okay. I've had clients do this quite a bit where um, they get the bug and uh, they suddenly think that there's so much more. There's so much more they could be doing immediately and they're not ready. And then it turns into crap and then they stop doing it because they mm -hmm. went from a, the, like a slow build to, you know, episode five going to episode 10 and ramping up production, but never really thinking that that might actually take a lot more work. And uh, and they end up paying for it where uh, they stop doing it. Right. Instead of incremental improvements. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of the a lot of success that people find, I think, in life is because they've done things. Um, you know, you see people, uh, you know, in envy of another podcast or another TV program or another movie. And they want to be able to do something like that of what they've seen. And they're like, I totally want to get there, but they forget that. I mean, there's that, that, that common thing you've maybe seen on the internet where, um, what, you know, it's, uh, what it says, uh, what people think success is. And it's a little tiny arrow that goes from the bottom left to the top, right. And it's a straight arrow, you know, oh, right. and then right below it is like what success really is. And it's this squiggly line of insanity <laughs> until you get to that point. And that's yeah. what I try and encourage people when they're doing stuff creatively that they don't make that crazy jump because it never works. And that's not how people get there. Uh, you just assume that people get there that way. And, but on top of that, um, 
the uh, not just about the whole idea of what people perceive as being successful in creative stuff, but as the act of actually doing something, whether it's shitty or not, if you just do it, people will take notice because I think most people watch others do stuff and, and, and enjoy what they've done, uh, what the other person has done. Um, and they really kind of want to do it, but then they end up not doing it. And, that definitely, I don't know if it comes from a perfectionist kind of ideal, but it's more, I think, um, that fear takes over or they realize that it's going to be a lot of work. And, but I think more often, actually, I think it's the, the individuals who are not concerned about perfectionism, they tend to go, ah, yeah, I could, I would love to do that, but you know what? I, I just, I'm not, it's not really a thing for me. I don't, I'm not, I'm not that interested. I'm I'm interested, but I'm I'm not gonna go out and do it myself because I've got other stuff to do. Mm. And then you have the other side of that, where it's people that really want to do it, and uh, really want to do things, but their fear sort of keeps them back. And and then they, as mm. we were talking about earlier, but but they never analyze what that is. Like, why am I stopping this? Why am I not doing this thing? And um, that's I think that's the sad part. And I really will hope that someday I'll be able to recognize the fear immediately and be able to go, ah, that's that thing that I'm afraid of. Well, you know what? Fuck that thing. And then do whatever it is that I'm, you know, afraid of. Um, totally. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I think that definitely looking back on myself, uh, when I experience that stuff, that's definitely where that phrase of dude, you're being very undude right now because you're having all this anxiety about something that, doesn't yeah. exist most of the time um what is it mark twain used to say um i'm an old i'm an old man and i've known a, a, a great many troubles but most of them never happened so you know it's like that yeah. deathbed thing we were mentioning earlier about you know it's, it's i don't want to be that dude on the bed that goes oh my god i totally have all this regret and then realize that half the shit half the shit 90% of this shit that I was afraid of actually didn't happen and wasn't actually a thing. Um, yeah. Which is why uh, you really ultimately shouldn't tell, uh, shouldn't tell, shouldn't uh, fear what other people think of you. And a lot of the time in my life, anyway, just because of who I am as an individual, there are so many times where people that are close to me uh, tell me that I shouldn't be acting the way I am. And that pisses me off because I can't help who I am. Sorry, it doesn't match what you think I am, but fuck you for telling me what to do with who I am. Sure. Shane, don't pull out a gun and shoot people randomly. Oh, shit. I'll put that away. Yeah, that's kind of a bad thing. I shouldn't have done that. No, it's not that kind of crap. It's just that you know, I am who I am and I act a certain way and I behave a certain way and I respond a certain way. And then people are like, you really shouldn't do that. That's embarrassing to you. Maybe fucked hard. What about me? It's not to me just because I don't have that fear you're experiencing. Go suck a bag of dicks. Well, I'm really angry about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being so undued. <laughs> I've the reason I'm angry is I was actually thinking about this a couple of days ago um, because I was watching something and uh, I think it was on Netflix 
uh, whatever it was we we're watching, I can't remember now, but um, there was a moment where one character <clears throat> had been established to act a certain way and some uh, other character was telling them off for, you know, you know, you're like totally so this, that, and the other thing. And I mean, the scene was just basically the moment of the other, of the, the I'll quote unquote, the weird character was, you know, telling the other character that they couldn't be friends anymore because they kept getting told off for who they were, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, people do that to me all the time. Yeah, fuck those guys. Jesus Christ, what the fuck's wrong with you? And it kind of takes me back. It reminded me that back in in uh, in uh, December, end of November, when I recorded an episode of my show, The Shane Cast, which you should, of course, subscribe to, um, where, I, where I was like, fuck this man like what the fuck and this has kind of been the last couple of months of me just pushing myself forward to to do mm -hmm. stuff and and try to be as as dude as possible um mm -hmm. and it's all your fault you jerk excellent <laughs> you're su you're such an asshole for supporting My me dave plan is working <laughs> you to hell um but yeah i mean what i've really rambled about trying to figure out what exactly perfectionism is for myself but do you have a real strong perfectionist kind of thing oh yeah really well tell me tell me one thing that you like i when i talk about technology i the technology doesn't have to be right but it has to have certain criteria that I believe make for a better experience with technology. Mm -hmm. What is your one thing? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I will give everything? you one of the many. Okay. Which is guitar. Really? I have a real love-hate relationship with guitar because I like it as an instrument. It's cool. I like what you can do with it. Um, I enjoy listening to it. I appreciate the guys and girls that really, you know, can wrangle the thing. Um, and I generally get fed up with what I'm doing on it. Okay. And so I just don't do it much. So you get fed. Give me an example. Like you just, you tried to play like a certain song or, um, something that you want to learn to do. But you, something's like you just, you get mad because you can't do it perfectly like the first try or that kind of stuff? Or are you talking about something a little more subtle? I guess, I guess maybe it's uh, more subtle. Yeah. Cause it's about um, having. Um, an expectation of being able to do the stuff that these p 
people that I admire do. And I recognize that it's entirely ridiculous. But conscious recognition and actual, you know, full understanding of something are two very different things. That is true. And so that's that's one of my things. Um, and it keeps me from enjoying it as much as I could because of that. So, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, this perfectionist thing and creating, you know, um, there was a time when I wouldn't allow people, uh, to hear me play. Um, there was a time when, uh, I wouldn't allow people to see the pictures that I took because that was something of is something I played around with for many, many, many years. And I uh, never liked what I did. So nobody got to see what it was that I did. I'm not quite so bad anymore. Um, but yeah, I would say it kept me from again, enjoying just doing the activity of taking pictures or of playing guitar. So yeah, it's, I mean, it sucks. It really sucks because without that ridiculous perfectionist tendency, you can actually enjoy what it is you're doing. And, uh, Jeff, he doesn't talk about this in, in the book, going back to the, the chapter here, uh, in the book that we're on, he talks about, um, getting uptight as he puts it about, uh, situations like he describes, um, in one case where he was working on a movie and he was really concerned about the last scene. He thought it didn't work properly and he really wanted to see this movie be the best that he could do as an actor. Um, but also just, you know, in general, he wanted the production to be good. And I guess he felt for whatever reason, he doesn't go into details that that last scene just wasn't measuring up to the rest of the movie. And so he was talking with the director continually through the process until, you know, they're, getting to within days of the shoot and she had long since gotten to the point of showing him the hand as he puts it <laughs> it's kind of like this don't, don't don't even bug me with this anymore <laughs> basically you know good natured and everything but um 
she just, you know, didn't want to hear it, didn't have time for it, whatever. Uh, busy, busy person, I'm sure, as, as any director would be on a production. But um, he he talks about sometimes playing around with that sense of being uptight and how uptight can I get is the question he'll ask himself and he'll, he'll play with that. And I thought that was a cool idea, you know, just not, not allowing yourself to get sucked into it and make that your attitude and how you're going to interact with what it is you're interacting with or who you're interacting with. Um, well, maybe not who, but you know, the, the thing you're interacting with and you're sort of, let's see how uptight I can get. And then you kind of, you can work with it and likely find that you'll just, you'll go loose, you know, all that uptightness will, will vaporize because you've really gotten into it and experienced that sense of being uptight and, uh, you're not trying to run away from it, which is uh, very, very Zen, actually, because in Zen, they're all about um, sitting with whatever is, period. And that can be, you know, pure bliss, that can be pure terror, or pure yeah just you know eh. whatever eh. it really it does not matter that's the cool thing it doesn't matter whatever is there in front of you whatever you are experiencing is what you sit with it's not easy to do necessarily but it's uh it's doable. I think it goes back a little bit to my comment about how I think we as people, as personalities, are more malleable, more plastic than we think we are. Because we buy into this, you know, I'm X or I'm Y or this is always the way I am and all that stuff and I'll never change and you know, it, okay. <laughs> However, <laughs> if you're seeing that these beliefs, values, attitudes are causing issues in your life, then I guess I would want to look at them and say, okay, well, what, you know, what is this? Is, is this something I truly want to be or is this something I want to change? Is it something I want to get rid of? Um, install a different value, you know? Um, and there's there are some values that are very stable. We hold them from, you know, earliest childhood to the day we die. But there are also values that um, change or shift or disappear as we age. So, um, 
you know, I guess, what am I saying? We, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is that these, these things do shift and it's natural and play with it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's very Dow. It's very Dow to it, too. It's got know. some beauty to it, man. It does. I know it sounds weird. Well, no, I mean, you've actually, we've been talking for an hour and 10 minutes and I just want to summarize what you said with a quote from the chapter. Um, What you just said gives direction. It gives a path. You've got to take care of yourself on the path. Not because, or not just when you cross the goal line, because don't forget wherever you are, that's the goal line. You are always changing, you are always evolving, and mm-hmm. hopefully it's for the better. Because, in theory, why would it not be if you're following uh, a, a better ways to improve oneself, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. so dave i'm gonna leave it there because we're out of time man yeah again we could just keep going <laughs> we, we totally could <laughs> so until next time uh next episode we'll be talking about the chapter uh called uh yeah well you know that's just like uh your opinion man uh so there you go <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully this that's, makes sense because it's making sense to us. That's such a good title. <laughs> uh, 